I'm Chris from Play Comics, a show where we look at video games based on comic properties and how well they stick to that comic book source material. A part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other wonderfully geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to episode 285 of Better Podcasting. On this show, we continue our podcast media host discussion, reviewing the Podbean service. But first, in this week's Podnerings, topics include the Zoom PodTrack P8, cooler computers, Spotify changes, and the promised DLC creator access discussion. Plus, SP's going to blow you away with some microphone talk. And finally, in this week's Better Pod Bag, we run down some comments on the show and from our Discord server. Lauren, start the show now. This is Better Podcasting. We are hobby podcasters through and through, just like you. That's why we are different. We minimize the money talk so that you can focus on building a better podcast. Welcome to an all-new episode of Better Podcasting. I am Steven, and I am pleased to say the one that you actually tune in for is here, SP. Got to tell you, Steven, I was a little disappointed this morning. We were supposed to have a snow day, not a drop, not a flake on the roads. I had to go into work, but I was like, what is happening later today? We're recording Better Podcasting, so I got all psyched up again. Woohoo! Hey, if you missed it last week, we released the premiere episode of season four of Better Podcasting, and we talked about some changes that you can expect with the format of the show. But something that we did not talk about was the How I Save My Podcast story. Yes, we still are going to carve out space in the opening of the show should you have a story where you saved your podcast. And if you're not familiar with what the How I Save My Podcast story is, we would love it if you would tell us if something's gone wrong with your podcast, how you got out of the weeds. How did you fix it? Let us know. You can email podcast at betterpodcasting.com or you can come to our discord at betterpodcasting.com slash discord because we love to hear these stories, share them with everybody who listens so that if they have something go wrong with their podcast, they can hopefully take a little bit from your ambition in fixing their podcast. So please let us know if you have a How I Saved My Podcast story. And we are going to be bringing back the Hobby Podcaster profile. Keep your ears out this season because the Hobby Podcaster profile will return at some point. And if you want to know more about this, come to our Discord. We'll tell you all about it. Basically, if you're a Hobby Podcaster, there's an opportunity to be spotlighted on this show. Isn't that exciting, SP? It is. Uh, now, is the spotlight one of those warm stage spotlights and you're going to need something cool to, you know, cool you off? Because, you know, that makeup, you can sweat a lot with that makeup. So is is that what spotlight we're talking about or we're just highlighting one of the hobby podcasts that listen to us? It's really up to the individual hobby podcaster. That They're the ones that will decide that. All right. Well, I'm excited <laughs> to see if they choose the spotlight how bright they are on the camera. That is a very good thing for us to look forward to. But should we get into our better podnerings? I'm looking forward to this. We got a lot to talk about.
All right, the better pondering section. This is a section where we go through a few different podcast-related topics of conversation, and we chat a little bit about them. Sometimes it's news-related, sometimes it's about things that we've discovered, things that we think are relevant to the audience. And so, today, we're going to start off talking a little bit about the PodTrack P8. Isn't that exciting, SP? Oh, it's totally exciting. I mean, we've been wanting to review the zoom pod track p8 for a few years to be honest with you and i was really looking forward to you getting it in the studio running it through its paces see how it compared to the original roadcaster pro and the original mixcast 4 actually it's just the mixcast 4 right they haven't come out Tascam doesn't have another one so i was looking forward to that and so when you messaged me and said i'm gonna go with the p8 it was like yes and then you messaged me again yeah, so the long story short of this is that um, the PodTrack P8, I just don't want to really use in my day-to-day operations. And it has nothing to do with the ideas that everybody overblow and everything, in my opinion, the whole bitrate thing. I think that was entirely overblown. Honestly, what it came down to is lacking features compared to the other two options I have in front of me, the Mixcast 4 and the Roadcaster, and particularly around the noise of it. Now. What I mean by that is that um, when I hooked it up, I noticed there was no noise gate on there. And so some people, that's fine because they want to do all their work and post. And so that might be a non-issue. But for us, we live stream. So the idea of me adding more noise to my track in the live stream just was no good for me. There's no real meaningful noise gate. And then the second thing was that the buttons, the hit the mute button, they're pretty clicky. So because there's no noise gate, when I hit the the mute button, you could hear it in the track. So I just decided that uh, it wasn't for me in that regard. Now, um, the other sort of things that I noticed was that the the top cables, I'm used to rear insert cables now. And this is like the, the Zoom L series where the cables come in through the top. So I would have had them kind of in my monitor way. I would have had to get some right angle cables. So it wasn't in the way of my monitor. Now, that was all things I was willing to do. But once I had that noise thing come up, I just went, no, nah, I'm just going to go back to the Mixcast 4. And so that's what I'm on this week is the Mixcast 4. And the other thing that I, I did want to give a shout out to, though, was the button and the fader quality felt pretty nice. Uh, it was almost a little bit like going home because it reminded me a lot of the Zoom L8 and the Zoom L12. So that felt a little bit like, oh, that's nice. Um, and the display looked pretty good. It was pretty easy to understand the interface. Definitely to me seemed like a lot less steep of a learning curve than the zoom L 12 was. Well, I'm excited to hear what you plan to ultimately do with it. And I think combined with a future point that we're going to talk about, there might be a use case still in your house and your studio for it, but I understand why you want to move on. And to be honest with you, there's a whole new, gear range out there anyway with the roadcaster pro 2 the dlz creator and their smaller compartments the compartments smaller capabilities the duo and the dlz creator xs those are kind of the four that are out there right now so i i could see the podtrack p8 is still out there but it's not talked about much i mean if you only have so much money and you need the capability for the p8 because it does have some interesting capabilities right how many microphones and how many headphones out do you get with it i don't remember (laughs) to be honest (laughs) (laughs) 
I, t- I think it's six headphones out. I could be mistaken about that. And I, I believe it's six microphone uh, XLRs in, which a lot of playthrough podcasts might need it. I, I think maybe like Damien on his Aurelia pod might, uh, Adventures in Aurelia, might uh, do well with it. And all the others are only four or two. So you do get a couple extra channels uh, I don't know of anything else that does a total of six. Now, the Roadcaster Pro can get five when you put in uh, the Roadcaster Pro 2, when you get a USB Rode microphone into that second USB channel, you can do five, but you can't do six. So the P8 still has that capability over all of the uh, generation that the P8 came in and the next generation. So it's, it still might have some, some life in it. And the last thing I want to give a shout out that right away, I was excited about the smaller form factor. I've, I've griped about this for a while for the amount of uh, channels and stuff that's on the Roadcaster Pro and even the Mixcast 4 to a degree. They're just big footprints. The P8, it was so nice to have such a small thing. It actually made me immediately go and look up what the cost was on a Roadcaster Duo because I'm like, oh man, this would be nice to have such a smaller footprint on my desk. So that's all I really wanted to mention about it. But if anybody has any questions about it, I've got it easily accessible. I can give some tests and stuff. But but yeah, that's the extent of my testing for now. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to the next discussion point, which actually goes to a, a gear point for me. Now, if you're watching or maybe listening, you're like, hey, SP, you sound a little bit different. Well, yes, yes, I went back. Uh, to the Electro Voice RE320. I always said last year that at the end of the year, I was going to kick over back to the RE320 because it would feel like going back home and I would be able to use it. So I didn't change a thing on the Roadcaster Pro 2. Channel 1 was always set up for the RE320. So just plugged it into Channel 1, put it up on the stand, and I recorded all things good and nerdy, episode 550 as a guest over there at the invitation of Chris and I listened back to it later and I was like, Oh no. Oh no. (laughs) Ned, ouch. I, I finally hear what everybody else has heard along the way that does not like the RE320 because I had been using the Shure SM7B basically at least for half the year, if not Mm -hmm. more than I, I forget when the gear sale was, it was sometime during the summer of 2023 and we're in February 2024. And I was like, oh my gosh, oh no. Now, to be fair, the Sure SM7B requires an excessive amount of gain, especially for my quiet voice. So I was driving all the gear that I had when we started Better Podcasting back in 2015, 2016. I was driving the Sure SM7B really hard right. with, the, with the gain on the Mackie mixer. I, I think actually it was a uh, Behringer mixer that I was using at the time, the the DLZ or the um, uh, 286S compressor and the DBX there. And it just, it did not mix well. I was driving it too hard and I heard artifacts off the microphone. Well, fast forward all these years, I get another microphone that was on sale. I had the Rodecaster Pro 2, which has really good preamps and I was able to drive the Shure SM7B well enough that I sounded like I probably should have back then, was that eight years ago? I probably should have sounded like that back then. 
Uh, this I will say with the RE320, if you like the proximity effect or the lack thereof and want to uh, lean back a little bit and still be heard, if you want the clarity that comes forth with the RE320, still the superior microphone, even with driving the uh, SM7B, which can, depending on your speech, your speech, not the microphone, sound a little muddy because you mumble or mm. if you mumble, like I tend to do from time to time. And that's why I wanted to go back to the uh, RE320 is I caught myself being a little bit too soft on some of the podcasts that I was editing on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. And I was like, ah, I don't want to drive the microphone any higher in gain. I'll go back to the RE320. Yeah, it's, uh, I, I didn't like it. And you listening to me right now, you'd be like, SP, it's no big deal. I listened to that uh, ATGN 550. Then I listened to the previous episode of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., both on YouTube. And I was like, Oh no. So <laughs> I actually messaged Steven and I said, dude, you're not going to believe this. And he almost fell out of his chair and it wasn't because he had just drank a case of Molson. He, I mean, he was <laughs> shocked. Uh, yeah, no, this definitely surprised me when I got that message because you phrased it as, as when do you go back to SM7B? You'd basically said, do I do an episode on the RE320 or do I just go back now? So it was surprising to me that you'd already made that decision. And so I just want to say that um, I think I I think that you should go back to the SM7B sooner than later because I do like it better on your voice. That's my, my opinion. But, you know, you got to put your hardware through whatever paces you want to put it through. Oh, no. there's. I mean, I've been using this for so long. We've done so many comparisons, and I've been with this for so long and then to properly drive the Shure SM7B and get the performance out of it that was always meant for it. Yeah, I'm going back to the Shure SM7B right after this podcast is over. <laughs> uh, I, I still like this microphone. I, I really enjoy it. Uh, my travel microphone, if I take a studio microphone, will still be the Procaster, the Rode Procaster. But this one will be around and available I also have the Audio-Technica BP-40 available. I have other microphones available, but the Shure SM7B will be my main microphone unless I try, you know, there's other microphones yeah. out there now, like the Dynacaster that we haven't gone into. And I would like to try some of those eventually, but I think I'm surprised and I surprised myself. After I heard it, I was like, oh no, oh no. But I did say I wanted to keep using it for a couple of reasons. One, I hadn't edited myself on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. yet, so I went through that. And then I wanted to have it available on Better Podcasting for our listeners over here, just to understand where I was. And if Bander is listening to this right now, <laughs> Bander, you're right, man, you're right. Oh, don't you hate that? Don't I you do. hate that? I now, I, I mean, Banter did a, an extensive test and, and trade between several of the broadcast dynamic microphones. And I will say, like, the ambient noise rejection is better on the 320 than on the Shure SM7B. So if you're dealing with a noisy environment and you want a broadcast microphone and you have the two to choose from, the RE320 is a better microphone for that. But I, I'm not in that situation, so I can use the Shure SM7B. I, so before we move on to this, I think there's two quick points to wait, make. Number one, 
Andrew, if you are listening to this, um, I think you should just probably rub Espy's face in it and make him remember every single week by buying him the special 50th anniversary red edition version of the SM7B. I think that you should do that. And, and then he can use that every week and it will be his reminder. Uh, second thing is, I do think it's important to remember that the RE320 is technically a lower price class microphone. So I think that's important to remember. We do a lot of comparison between the two because of our past discussions, but I think like price point, it's it's about a hundred dollar cheaper base model, no extra features microphone. Yeah, it is. And if I, I I would still interested in doing an RE20, I've said that before, and I'm still interested in doing it. Probably just won't be this year. And I know I said that uh, last year or two years ago, and I said this 2023 is going to be the year of the RE20. Got the Shure SM7B <laughs> instead because of this tremendous one or eight hour sale or whatever it was, six hour yeah. sale. And uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it this year or not, but uh, definitely by next year, by 2025, I will have, uh, and I can't even promise the RE20, although that's on the list. Like I said, there's other microphones out there, so we'll just see. All right. The next thing I wanted to mention right now is I wanted to put a shout out there, a call out for our audience to chime in on the idea of dual computers. And for the audio listener, I'm making like a, like a dual, dual um, a pew pew. Uh, type motion, you know, like I'm an old saloon, like drawing out to, to, I don't know. Anyways, uh, it's beside the point. You got a little Western shootout on the brain. <laughs> That's huh? what it is. Thank you. Uh, no. So right now I am running a computer that I think is, is perfect for my use with the video and the, the live streaming and all the capabilities that I want. It's, it's good for all of that there. And um, I, I bought it a few years ago, so, you know, it's still fairly current. I did max it out um, back then, and then I've done a video, except for the video card, but then I did the video card last year. But I had this realization that a lot of times in the day, I have it running, obviously using a lot of energy, but also putting out a lot of heat for no good reason. In the day, I'm just working, and I basically have it running as, as chat machines so that when I am working at home on my main machine, if all of a sudden SP sends me a mind-blowing message like he's he's going to go back to the SM7B permanently, um, I'm there to get it right away. And so I have that going on my side monitors. And then I'm, I, it occurred to me, why am I running my main machine, the one that is meant for higher-end capabilities, all the time? I built that machine to do video stuff well, to do live stream stuff well, and occasionally game. That was the purpose. I did not build it for a chat machine. So then I got looking at some of the things and before Randy puts it in the chat, I'm reading your mind, Randy. Uh, I looked at the idea of something like a Mac mini because good price point, M2 chip, probably M3 soon, decent price point and all that stuff for the features, but it only does dual monitor output. There's no capability for me to do, uh, well, technically three. You can get three technically, but it doesn't do three natively, and you can't do four, which is really what I want. I want the capability that if I'm not live streaming, I want to be able to do four. So then you're like, okay, well, then you can maybe maybe achieve that if you get up to the M2 Pro chip level, but now you're up at like $1,500, $1,600 Canadian for a chat machine. No go. So I'd love to put the idea out there to people. What are your thoughts? What, what would you do if you were in my shoes? You were looking for a companion computer to your powerhouse computer to be able to do some low level stuff, regular stuff, but then keep 
your powerhouse capable, ready to go when you do need to do the podcast, the the gaming, whatever. And I kind of thought about this because of the idea of gaming. There's a lot of people out there that they have a dedicated gaming machine because gaming purposes are different than day-to-day purposes. And I've never really made that association with podcasting or video creation. This is something that should have occurred to me sooner. Maybe that is a viable thing to have two different machines and and dedicate one towards that sort of aspect of it. And it was really only once I made that sort of comparison to the idea of having a dedicated gaming machine that I, I connected those dots. So let me know. Come to our Discord. That's all I wanted to say. I'd love to have everybody's feedback. And, it, you know, maybe there is a Mac solution. I will say this, though, if you are thinking about writing in there about Display Link with the Mac, I'm not wild about the HDCP restrictions on that. So um, maybe someone can come and tag in and say, well, you get around it by this. So let me know. Let me know, everybody. So I'm not progressed to your point yet in my PC search, but I have mentioned before that I will be looking into a new laptop. And I've been focusing on the Duo laptops a Windows 11 compatible Duo laptop. And that's a laptop where you get the little bar and you get a 17 inch with a, a bar screen down below. And that is useful in gaming, but I would use it for editing. So I could have that extra bar for either Chad or maybe some editing tools or something like that. So that's where I'm going. I'm not ready to pull the trigger on that yet, but that is my next PC hunt before I replace the PC that I have here. And I have air conditioning where I'm at. And I know Steven doesn't. I have central air conditioning. He doesn't. So the heat issue has gotten more extreme uh, as hotter it's, it's been in the last few years. And the better computers that he's achieved and the more that he's been working in his den over time, all stuff he just described. I did resurrect a 2014 MacBook Pro. It was a family MacBook Pro and they weren't using it anymore. And uh, honestly, I think the reason that we're using it anymore is it had a virus on it, believe it or not, a MacBook with a virus. And I was able to resurrect that and just wipe off the hard drive, save what was there, wipe off the hard drive. So I could start looking in that direction based on my experience and becoming knowledgeable again with the Mac OS, but I I really don't want to, I want to focus on the duo, but that's my situation. I want to provide you some feedback and I would like our audience to as well. So, you know, uh, talking about monitors, you know, that at work, I just installed on my work desk, a 49 inch Odyssey Samsung CRG9 2K UHD uh, monitor that is 240 hertz. Now, I don't realize all the capabilities on there because I'm running through some filters and stuff like that to go from the computer to the monitor. But I will tell you, knowing your situation where your main monitor is a big 4K monitor, that you actually get more real estate even than this large 49 inch. So if you wanted to use the 49 inch as like, you can use it as one monitor or two monitors or pin stuff to the side and make it two windows or whatever. Yeah, it's some decent real estate, but it's 2K real estate. It's not 4K real estate. And if you want more real estate, then 
a 4K monitor is better. So if you're thinking of going for a bigger monitor, I think you got what you're going to get. So you're going to need some computers to drive that. That's that's one. And two, this is just just stay with me. This All is right. a thought. I'm with you. I'm right behind you, following you like a dog. I'm right with you. So I know you do work on the one computer, and that's kind of what you'd be looking to do is is work on this smaller computer and this cooler computer. And I know you do podcasting on your big machine. Okay. So you got two machines. Okay. But I know your work requires, you know, communication and talking back and forth, which you do through your podcasting gear right now, through your microphone, right? No, I don't actually. So, yeah, so. you don't do any of that? No. Well, let's say you do. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'll, uh, uh, let's say yes. You're right, SB. I do. There we go. <laughs> this point is going to fall flat, but I was going to say the Rodecaster Pro 2, which I know you, you are discounting for a lot of different reasons, but the Rodecaster Pro 2 does, it's unique in the yeah. class of audio mixers, and it has the two. USB outs that will use a mix minus. So you could set up both computers and use the same mixer through both computers. That's where mm. I was going. That's uh, a good uh, Unfortunately, point. it doesn't sound like that's going to be a deal. But <laughs> No, that's that's fair. That is fair. I, I There is a purpose where that could work. However, um, I want to just, just, I was planning on moving on from this topic, but I want to clarify based off some chat confusion. Because if you don't know this, we do stream the podcast live when we record on usually Wednesdays at 4.15 p.m. Pacific, 7.15 p.m. Eastern over on gunnageek.com slash live. And right now people are saying, talking about displays and the number of displays and whatnot that I need. And I, and where this falls into the point that you just made is on a day-to-day basic, I have a work-issued laptop. And so my work-issued laptop is taking up my big, large 4K monitor that for all intents and purposes, is the equivalent of four screens that I use on a day-to-day basis and um, because of the size of it. So that is what's taking up my main monitor on a day-to-day basis in the day. And then what I have is I have three additional monitors that are being being driven by my main PC. They're on my sides. And really, they're just there for random chat or, you know, if I start streaming music, I pull it up in a browser or whatever. And and that's sort of the two side ones. And then the third one is running most of the time uh, my security DVR in front of me. I like to have that going all the time. So if I can't achieve three monitors, that means that um, in all likelihood, I would have to figure out another solution for that security DVR, whether that's not having that going all the time, putting a dedicated box in, which is kind of why I don't really want to do it. But then I have to be able to switch that over while I'm podcasting because that monitor is usually the one behind my camera where I have our show notes on. I have the window preview. I have all of that stuff. So really, from a practical perspective, um, I'm looking for the small computer to run those three extra monitors for day to day purposes. Where the fourth comes in is that if I am on a regular day that I'm just doing Discord and it's after work and my work computer is no longer taking up my main monitor, it would be nice not to have to fire up the big machine just for chatting, for watching YouTube videos, for doing regular day-to-day stuff. And so that's where the potential of the fourth is. But on on a on a middle of the day, I have my main computer use it, being used by my work laptop and the other three are just there for random BS. So I hope that clarifies it a little bit better. 
If it's not, come to our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. I'll type out the novel. I always like typing a novel, and you can let me know what your thoughts are with a better explanation. You can really tell when Steven's wound up when he types up a novel on the <laughs> Discord server, I'll tell you. Uh, I want to move on at this point in time. We're going to be talking about Spotify for a couple of things. A lot of you in the chat already know what's going on, but maybe you're not in the chat. Maybe you want to know what's going on with Spotify. Spotify announced some radical changes. <laughs> as far as I know, it was like late in the week <laughs> and, you know, you dump bad news off on a Friday afternoon typically before a three-day weekend. That's the, that's the dream of a PR specialist, right? Well, this was later on the week, and Spotify said, hey, we're we're making some improvements. We're making some changes. Uh, Spotify plus music is, 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 music plus talk, excuse me, is going away. Music plus talk is going away. I'm like, oh, that's, that's uh, not as pervasive as you might think because it was very restrictive. But this is one way for podcasters to be able to use commercial music in their creative works. Now, one could argue, which we are not, one could argue that they weren't podcasts and they weren't podcasts <laughs> because they had to be approved by Spotify. They could only be listened, I believe, on a mobile device and therefore only Spotify subscribers could hear them. So they're not out in the open RSS feed podcasts. We're not going to go there because we've had that argument many, many times and we're okay calling it a podcast. Um, all those people now have to find a home. The people that want to podcast, and there was limitations. You had to talk over the music as well. But all those people that wanted to podcast about the music, that was their passion. And this was a way to do it. Now they really don't have a place to do it because there's not anywhere else that's fighting for their rights to allow you to use commercial music for little to no cost. Now you could get a license from umg or whatever music right holder it is and you can pay out the wazoo because they don't understand podcasting and the rates are based on radio or uh, television and they if they quote you a rate it's going to be in the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars typically they just don't understand that you're only going to get 100 downloads for your show or whatever it is right so that is Hard to take. There are a few options available now if you want to start exploring there. One in particular, but it's not what I would call all com commercial music. And we'll say we'll save this for another discussion later. But um, I I think that this starts the end of the Spotify being the special um, thing out there for hobby podcasters. Just because they're losing so much money. They bought in, they lost a lot of money, and they can no longer afford stuff like this. There's one other thing, too, but we're going to focus on uh, the music plus talk for right now. Yeah, I, I want to get to that thing to make my point, but I do want to bring up a thing that it, Randy Walker in our Discord had asked. He said, was music and talk popular? So I, I never heard much about it. I think it probably was sort of what you were alluding to there. Some of these mostly kind of podcasts that we're using it, but not not maybe what you would traditionally think of as a podcast. But I never heard a lot about it. But I think sometimes people also look for things that they might want to use. And so with this here, they might have been like, yeah, I, I think I might one day want to use this feature. So I'd like to go there in case one day I want to. And 
I don't know. I'm assuming that the rights cost just wasn't worth it. Yeah, their ROI for Spotify wasn't there. And absolutely right. I don't know the exact numbers, but there was a minimal amount. There was a small community of podcasters that were using it and they didn't get a huge following. They had a fervent following. I mean, I've heard this since I got into podcasting of people wanting to basically do a radio show where you play songs and you talk about them. I've heard of of podcasts trying to do music history or music um, dissection where you're talking about the, the music in a dissecting way and analyzing it. I've heard of all those and they all run into problems about the music rights. You could do this and not have that issue. So there were people, like I said, that had passion for it, that really enjoyed that capability. And that capability is no more. And another capability that is no more, this is moving on to the second part of this announcement, is Spotify is removing their creator tools. So this was another thing. You could go into the Spotify app and you could actually, Spotify for Podcasters app, and you could actually create your show. You could record your show on your mobile device. You could edit it. You could uh, produce it and then publish it all within the app. And that's gone now. And and one of the things you were able to do is connect with your co-hosts or guests through it. And what they did is said, we will give you two hours of free Riverside. Now, Riverside is a capability kind of like what I use called StreamYard or Squadcast or CleanFeed, where you're actually connecting to the co-host or guests and you're able to record. And that you were able to do that through the app. It was probably not advantageous whatsoever for them to keep it going because this the co- they were losing money on it. Every other capability that does this costs money, except for shareware like uh, uh, Video Ninja, right? Mm. Uh, but if if you're running a service like the Zoom or uh, Zencaster or all the other ones that I just mentioned, it costs money because they they need the money to keep the capability going and to pay for the internet services. Now, I don't know if these two hours of free Riverside are, hey, congratulations, you can't use this anymore. Here you go, you get two free hours and that's it. Is it two free hours per month? I and And then forever? I don't know the limitations on those two free hours. They're basically saying, we can't service you anymore. Here, try this. I, I would, if I had a guess to make on this, I would say it's try this for two hours and then you're going to have to pay for it, not two hours per month. So Riverside had teamed up with Spotify for this. I don't know if Riverside's going to be able to handle the deluge of Spotify podcasters. I already see dozens of posts about Riverside eating the recording or not able to keep up with the recording over on the subreddit that I moderate. And um, it is by far the most vocal user group. Uh, Zencaster is also up there, but Riverside by far gets the most posts over I need help or, or Riverside ate the recording or, or that. Uh, so I don't know if they have the back room, the, the support to support a deluge of users. And to be honest with you, all the Spotify users want free anyway. So I don't know if they're going to end up uh, paying for this. 
I've seen a lot of questions about what do I use now? And they're all looking for free tools. So most people say, you know, try Video Ninja and OBS. And some people are like, but I use a phone and I can't use that or, or whatever. So there's limitations. And I just don't know where these podcasters are going to go. And I think more so this marks kind of the end of the current era of free flowing. Anybody can create a podcast for nothing. So it, we'll see what everybody migrates to eventually. But I think for now, the go-to has always been, oh, Joe Rogan's on Spotify. I can create my podcast on Spotify. And, and they create a podcast on Spotify and, and they're able to keep it going because it's free. And I don't know about the quality. I don't know how quickly they pod fade, but I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of shows out there that pod fade just because they can't keep up with the change. Yeah. So kind of encompassing what I wanted to say about both of these points. I am now back in the concerned about Spotify for a hobby podcaster camp. Now, let me start before I continue or before I continue by saying we are looking at this as we go through our media host quest, we will be looking at this. But for a long time, we talked about how we were concerned because Spotify was such an unknown and all this other things. And then it was so stable and they put all the, the Spotify came, bought anchor with all of this huge amount of money. They had all of these cutting edge features and everything. And then you and I were like, you know what? I think that concern it's time to put that to bed. It looks like it's pretty good. These are two out of several recent changes in the features that have been offered for a hobby podcaster. And of course, part of that is just the renaming to Spotify for podcasts. And so I am a little concerned because they invested all this money. They did the Spotify exclusives. Now they're going away from those exclusives. Now you're losing a music and talk feature, which was something that was, was, you know, touted as, as a offering for people. And the creator tools is the big one. I, for years have said on this podcast, I thought that it was the whole uh, encompassing aspect of podcast creation that made Spotify choose Anchor over many of the other established companies out there, many of which who have blatantly expressed their butthurtness on that. Um, so I, I thought that that was the feature. So I'm wondering, they're removing this thing, which was a huge draw at the time of Anchor. And... I, what I and I think many others presume to be a big draw, a big appeal to owning that technology. What what is the Spotify path to the future here? Because it's not Spotify exclusives with the big names. It's not getting everybody under the sun to come use their their services to create podcasts. I'm curious what their roadmap is in the future. I, I'm not going to sit there and say like, you know, you should get off it or, you, you know, don't go to it or anything. Like I said, we're, we've got it on our list, but these are several changes that has me moving them back on my, my question mark, my concerns column of the future. And so I'll, I, I want to see what happens. I want to see what happens to, as far as free media hosts or hosts that, um, yeah, free or, or uh, available media hosts with music. SoundCloud was another one. SoundCloud is for sale. I I don't remember if they were bought or not. And if they were bought, I don't know if they will continue to operate underneath the same parameters. I'm guessing that there is a music rights issue with SoundCloud. Uh, I don't know for sure. That's just a guess. Uh, so you have the Spotify and 
the SoundCloud, and and then you have others out there like iHeart and Pandora, which have music on them, but also have uh, po- they just ingest podcasts and and some pretty. I think iHeart has some exclusives. I don't think Pandora does, but they just ingest your podcast to be on their service. I think there's going to be more and more of that. Uh, the music rights world is just not made for no. podcasting and. If you want to get into that, my heart goes to you because just like we have a passion for doing podcasts the way we do, just like play through podcasters have that pod passion, just like the audio drama podcasters have that passion. If you're a business podcaster, you have that passion. You all, except for music podcasters, have a path forward that you can podcast and the music podcasters simply don't have that path forward. And I feel for you, I don't have any solution for you. That's really notable. Uh, we'll have a sh- discussion later on in the show, but it, it's really not a, a feasible at this point in time discussion to have with hobby podcasters. So um, that wraps up my comments on Spotify. All right. The next thing we want to mention, uh, the last point that we're going to chat today is all about the Mackie DLZ Creator Excess, or should we say the Road Mackie DLZ Creator Excess? <laughs> yeah, Ro- Road bought Mackie out, and that shocked everybody because we thought Mackie was going to have a go at competing with Road, but they came out with a Mackie DLZ Creator XS. Now, I've watched a couple. I haven't had a chance to fool around with the hardware, and I probably won't for a, a while. I've watched a couple of review videos on there that seem pretty comprehensive. Uh, they were given the device by Mackie for free. They both disclosed that that I watched. So good on them for disclosing that. Uh, you always have to wonder are they saying everything because they don't want to ruin that relationship on getting the next device from the company? And in this case, it's two companies because it's Mackie and Rhodes. So I always have to caveat things with that. But I was pretty impressed. There are capabilities that I like with the Roadcaster series, the Roadcaster and the Roadcaster Duo, that are better, in my opinion, than the Mackie DLZ or the, the DLZ Creator or the DLZ Creator XS. Um, but most people agree that pure audio is better with the DLZ. So if you're an audiophile with a podcasting, then the DLZ or the DLZ creator XS would probably be the better option. Uh, again, I have not reviewed either. Uh, I know the DLZ creator itself is just massive. It would not fit on my desk. So I'm not even going to go there. (laughs) But the Creator XS is a size which would fit on my desk. It's only two XLR, just like the Duo is, the Roadcaster Duo. It's two XLR. It does have NDI, though, which is better than the Duo, the Creator XS. And that is the ability to pull your audio over Ethernet to some sort of other computing device. Something that I gave in my review of the Roadcaster Pro 2, it has an Ethernet in there. It has a firmware that could be updated to use it. They just haven't gone down the path to do that. And I don't know if it's going to be updated, but I'm like, that seems like it would be a big deal for some creators. So put it in there. The uh, XS on the DLZ side doesn't have faders. It has knobs. 
It's not capable of being powered by a USB-C battery bank. You can't use the pads as MIDI controllers. And I don't think you can use it with the Rode wireless microphones or USB microphones the way you can with the Rodecaster. Uh, it does have some headphone latency that I think is even worse than a Rodecaster. So Ugh. if that really bugs you, probably not for you. It has been, it was brought up on the both reviews that I uh, heard, but they were like, yeah, hey, it's no big deal because I'm used to it. If it is something that is really going to bug you, and we've gone into it in my review of the Roadcaster Pro 2. It does not bug me on the Roadcaster Pro 2. Probably wouldn't bug me in the DLZ. But we've talked to many people, even Josh Liston said, what about the latency, right? Because that really bugs him. I would think the latency on the DLZ Creator XS would probably really bug him too. So if you're in that camp where the uh, milliseconds of latency into the headphones is going to bug you, then maybe not for you. But the audio output from it seems to be universally to be considered superior. So if you're looking into one of these recorder mixer streaming devices, the uh, Creator XS is there. I think it's in the same price range as the Duo, which is high in my opinion, but it is what it is. It's around the $500 US mark, I believe the $499. So if you get it on sale, yeah, uh, less than that, go for it if you're interested in it. Yeah, so I have to say the sound thing, I always, always want to remind hobby podcasters listening to this podcast, what are you going to be finally producing your podcast in? Because a lot of people who aren't doing video podcasts are putting it down to something like uh, 128 kilobit per second MP3. So marginal audio gains, you should really consider if that that is actually something that you have meaningful reason to put stock into that, um, depending on where you're putting your podcast in the end. So I, I like to remind people of that because I think for some people, yeah, they will. Others, they'll just be like, oh, well, my audio is going to sound like crap compared to how I downloaded or how it was recorded anyways, because it's being compressed to an MP3. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Um, and then the second thing that I just want to say here is with the Mackie, um, with this specific unit, <laughs> once again, I saw the size and pictures and I'm like, okay, big footprint for what it is. Same thing with the regular DLZ creator. I think that the extra display will appeal to some people. I think that, um, for others, it makes it unnecessarily large. However, like the duo, like I said earlier in the show, I just love the smaller form factor compared to the other things like the Roadcaster one that I have sitting right here on my desk. It's just like it's so much. I just love the idea of a smaller footprint on a device on your desk. And uh, whether, you know, there's an argument to be made that for the amount of inputs, maybe it's a little too big for that amount. It's still an overall smaller unit. And uh, you know what? As people get older, the display might be more handy for some folks. And maybe people want to pay more attention to levels. So, so there's definitely a use there. It's, uh, you know, I think that's probably a polarizing thing for some people, but um, I, I'm not going to fault it either way. I think that there's pros and cons to both of the approaches. Um, and yeah, it's, it's interesting to see that there's still these products out here as the, you know, road power will decide what products with Vaki continue and what doesn't. It's nice to have options. I love that. 
I was going from a rack mounted system and a huge 16 channel mixer. <laughs> so for, for, for my, and I don't work at my desk. I work at work for my aspect. The roadcaster pro two is small enough. It's much smaller than all the other gear that I used to have. So I'm, Yes, it's smaller. I, I I haven't gone to the I need it smaller yet, <laughs> so I'm I'm okay with that. And as far as the display, I didn't talk about it, but the Creator XS has a much bigger display than even the Roadcaster Pro Two does. I do believe it's smaller than the large format DLZ Creator, but it's still really big. So if you need a, a bigger display to go through the menus, mm -hmm. there's that. And then as far as the faders, I don't ride the faders ever. It's set and forget as I'm podcasting or streaming. So the knobs really wouldn't affect me whatsoever. I mean, the faders look cool. I just don't need the, the faders there. So anyway, there's your teased long coming content on the DLZ Creator XS that was just announced just a few weeks ago. And we were able to at least talk about it we're not planning on getting the hardware because we're, we're not getting free hardware from dlz no. or mackie we'd have to buy it and i'm not in the in the mood to buy <laughs> a 500 hundred piece of thing that i may or may not use for a little bit and just on the screen size note it is a seven inch screen on the dlz creator xs and then the full dlz creator is a 10.1 so there's your yeah, answer. I can't remember if it's like four or five with the Roadcaster Pro 2. So even with the Creator XS, it's much bigger. So next time when we do this segment, we'll be talking about some new easy podcast show analyzers that we ran into. And we'll be discussing the and comparing at least two that we know of. And maybe there'll be more that we run into as well. But that's coming next week. Let's go ahead and talk Podbean right now. As we mentioned last time, because we are currently undergoing a quest to look for a new media host, we're going to be dedicating a section each episode to that for this season. And last week, we gave an exhaustive list of things that we're going to be considering as we look at different media hosts. But have no fear, we will not be reading out that list in this segment these are just guiding things that we are looking for as we evaluate different media hosts. And we're going to talk about some of the key takeaways, but you should keep your eyes on betterpodcasting.com because after going through some of that considerations this week, I think there's a real good likelihood that you will start to see a chart somewhere on the betterpodcasting.com site where you can see that exhaustive list should you want to. So keep your eyes on that. But we did decide to start with Podbean, and we had a couple of reasons for that. What were those reasons, SP? First, we both have a bit of experience with it, and we both have given it a test before and seen it in some different projects that we've overlapped with before. Our familiarity and experience with Podbean was because for a long time, they were one of the most affordable recommendations for hobby podcasters and as such, were consistently mentioned in various media host discussions with us and outside of Better Podcasting as well. Because of this, we kept tabs on them. And secondly, honestly, when we first started discussing the idea of moving on from Lipson, which is the current media host provider for Better Podcasting, Podbean was our first thought. 
probably because of everything that I just mentioned above. It seemed like a good balance of price and features, and because we were familiar, it's where our minds were immediately drawn. Literally, it was the first option we both came up with. So that, does that mean that this segment is over? Can we just move to Podbean and call it a day? No, nope. no, not at all. And and the reason why is um because we are going to obviously look at many other media hosts. That's the purpose of this. But second, spoiler alert to the end of the segment, I think after going through this, both of us are feeling a little less inclined to go there if we're looking at the general offerings of everything. But we will come back to that. So on that note, let's get talking about some of the pros and cons and some of the neutral points that we wanted to mention in our assessment of Podbean as we venture down this road. Now, before we do go into all those, I do just want to say we're ignoring the free tier. There is a there is a free tier on Podbean, but honestly, it's kind of irrelevant to this discussion because they only offer you five hours total of content. They call it a basic tier, but probably trial would be more accurate. So just pretend that tier doesn't exist as we go through that this conversation, because we just don't see where it fits for any hobby podcaster with only five hours total. Yeah, let's just treat it like it doesn't exist for this segment. Let's go into some of the highlights of Podbean and and uh, let's go into some of the more basic things that you can hope for. And that's responsiveness. In our testing, Podbean has all the basic reliability you'd expect. It's fast on both desktop and mobile. It works when you want it to. I even got it to work from work, which is outstanding. The uploads feel reasonably fast. And although I didn't take the time to, to do an A to A comparison, I have to say in my upload testing, it did actually feel faster to me than Libsyn does with uploading an average larger hour size you know, 128 kilobit per second MP3. Downloads feel reasonable as well. In our testing, there weren't any obvious issues, but of course, this couldn't be determined for sure without firsthand long-term testing. I mean, I had a whole season of 10 episodes, but that's not years and years. That was a few months. But what we can say is that we've known enough podcasters that have used it for years without any major complaints. So we can reasonably assess that reliability and responsiveness are acceptable. Now, moving on, let's go to one of the more important questions for a hobby podcaster, the expense. Uh, Podbean does remain being a somewhat affordable paid service for hobby podcasters at an annual paid price. It works out to about nine bucks US per month for the tier that we think most hobby podcasters would choose. That is the unlimited audio tier. However, as we said, anytime you pay for anything annually, this is something we've said a long time on the show, you should expect that there's a chance that something could go away and you might lose some of that money. And that's just a risk you take by paying annually. So you need to be comfortable with that risk. So as such, we think many hobby podcasters might not pay annually. And if that's the case, you'd be looking at 14 bucks US per month, which feels, uh, to be honest, a little less desirable than that $9 price for a hobby podcaster. So just worth noting there. But whatever plan you do choose, we do think there are some cheaper options available out there on the market from our quick assessment from what we've kept tabs on. But there are more expensive ones too. So 
I think out of a five of affordability, we had a bit of offline discussion. We say it's around a three. It's hard to know until we get into the thick of everything, but we say it's around a three, maybe a three and a half, somewhere in that realm out of five for affordability is what we're going to give it. The next thing we want to mention is that at this time, we think that Podbean has all of the mainstream day-to-day key features that an average established hobby podcaster is looking for. The interface feels modern and is easy to use and understand. They also have a decent mobile experience and offer an app as well, but we'll come back to that app part. The metrics offered are detailed enough for an average podcaster. I mean, you can delve into regions, episodes, overall shows. I have more to say about the stats a little bit later. One feature that we thought was worth mentioning was that they offer all paid plans two hours of something that they call Podbean AI. Yeah, Podbean AI, they say, quote, elevate your podcast with Podbean AI's advanced features such as noise reduction, intelligent leveler, cut filler words and silence filtering and EQ, automated title and show notes, AI enhanced transcripts, precisely crafted chapter markers. And then if you need to go beyond the two hours, they're charging you for an extra three hours you get uh you pay six dollars per month if you bill that annually or eight dollars a month if you are just paying that monthly. So this seems like a bit of an example that we thought was worth highlighting of how Podbean is keeping tabs maybe on some things and trying to evolve their feature offerings. AI is such a buzzword right now, and so we thought it deserved a mention. And although you're only maybe getting two hours, um, it is worth noting that. For the extra cost, an extra three hours, paying eight bucks for one month for an extra three hours, so five hours total, that might be in the realm of somebody saying, take my money to do all of those things if it does it well. Now, because we haven't done this for a long term, we can't speak to the reliability of that. But, you know, eight bucks a month to be able to do all of those things if it does it well, that is a bit of a deal. I do get questions all the time from newer podcasters on how do I do that sort of stuff. Now, for us, it's easy. We use plugins and we've been doing this for a while. But if you're not into the editing ones and zeros, and if you don't have the mega capabilities that we have, or even the plugins on uh, freeware like Audacity, it does start to build up. And if you just don't want to deal with all that, $8 a month to handle four or five shows a month at an hour's length for a hobby podcaster. That's probably a pretty good deal in my book. Now, from a website perspective, it's pretty easy to set up. There's different themes to choose from. I believe there's seven in there currently. It'd be nice to see a little bit more variety, but hey, seven is better than none, right? Or just one, right? And then it's been a a while since, Stephen, that you were using Podbean, right? Yeah, because when I was in there, I went and I dusted off an old account that I had set up a long time ago for testing, and I wanted to see what it looked like. I thought that was worth coming back and seeing what state the account was, you know, and and it seemed to all be off to the races, but it was set to, I think, one of their older themes. It was called Elegant 1.0, and it stood out from the other themes like a sore thumb. It was ugly compared to everything else. I have to say, out of the seven that were there, this Elegant 1.0 looked like something that deserved to be stuck in the past. The rest of them did look like you could convince me at first glance that they were maybe a WordPress theme tailored towards hobby podcasters. So 
I think that they're quite reasonable. They're better than some of the alternatives I've seen on some other services. And so um, I, I was pretty impressed with the themes that were on there. And I think that for most hobby podcasters, you probably could make one of them work for your hobby podcast. So kudos to them on that. The podcast that I stepped in to guest produce for a few months, the person that runs it is a graphic designer by trade. So he made it look really good. And I think I might be able to duplicate most of that on my own. I would have to spend some time on it, but you can make the page look pretty good and not have to pay an additional fee for uh, another service like PodPage or something like that. Another two things that are kind of hidden, you have to go into the uh, upload the episode and then go into the extras. I, f I forget what it's called, but then go all the way to the bottom. There's two capabilities in there that I was pleased to find. One is to create chapter markers. You could go in and create chapter markers. And I don't know what apps it's compatible with because I know there's some that are compatible with some apps and some that aren't, but at least that capability is there. Also, you can upload an SRT transcript and it would support that. And I think this has been there for a while. So it's even before the recent Apple podcast announcement. And then I will just throw it in here. I don't know if it's based on the podcasting 2.0 specs for those two, or if this is Podbean going off on their own. I don't know. If anybody knows, we would like to know just so we can have it in our documentation. But those were two things that I know a lot of people look into. And I don't know, by the way, I didn't fool around with the chapter markers. I did upload. So I went into the account that I, I was guest producing and I uploaded a fake file or maybe mm. one of my Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. files or whatever. I didn't publish it, of course, but I went to the chapter markers and I just clicked plus chapter and I went through it. I don't know if it has the capability to put a different like logo, like a a. a 50, uh, 1400 by 1400 picture in there for each chapter. I know that there are some capabilities out there. I don't know if it does that or not. So again, if you use Podbean, if you use the chapter markers, I'd like to know the answer to that. Now let's move on to something that we're calling some neutral points. We're not going to say pros or cons. They're kind of just things that we think are worth discussing. And since there is a certain percentage of users that are following this all the time, uh, podcasting 2.0. What's the question? The verdict on that? We did not see anything conclusive about Podbean looking for uh, future capabilities that are podcasting 2.0 spec. We don't know if they're keeping tabs on it. We don't know if they're holding off for a reason. We we don't know. We couldn't find any discussion whatsoever. So I think without discussion, you have to assume at the moment they're not planning on implementing that. If that is something you are looking for, but uh, that the might be something that comes out now that Apple Podcasts has started to adopt um, an element, which we'll come back to this a little later, an element of something that is a part of Podcasting 2.0. Um, maybe, maybe it'll be in the future. I don't know. There's nothing there that we saw at the moment. Now, moving on to the distribution areas, there's several key areas that it allows distribution. I never have set up a podcast with Podbean because I didn't go through the, I'm going to set up this distribution. I took over a podcast that was already existing. I didn't have a chance to do that. It's a bit hard to tell for me what's just one click and what requires extra effort. I know from my recent setup of podcasts over on, on Pinecast 
that there are some that you have to go in yourself and then come back with that uh, information. I don't know how Podbean does it. And as far as the distribution goes, I will tell you that my recommendation is that you really need to set up four destinations specifically for your podcast and all four, well, three of the four were there. The fourth isn't really widely available. And that is, of course, Apple Podcast, Spotify, and then you go into things like uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, but the fourth one wasn't iHeartRadio, it was YouTube Music, which was formerly soon <laughs> the uh, capability known as Google Podcasts. I don't know if YouTube Music is going to retain that number three slot or not in the future, but I'm going to assume it will just because of the vast amount of people that use YouTube. So it is Apple Podcasts, again, Spotify, YouTube Music, and Apple Music. There should be a way for those four distribution points to be uh, in at least instructed inside the area. And I think Podbean has that covered. So we're good there. There are others. There are tons of others. Like I said, Pandora, uh, iHeartRadio. But the if you go into the stats of Buzzsprout or Libsyn announces them or whatever, you get down into like 0.3% with some of these so really, it's those first four uh, that you have to integrate with and distribute your RSS feed to. So I think going forward, we didn't have this chat last time, Stephen, but I think going forward, that's going to be my demarcation. Mm. One of the things that I did want to quickly acknowledge here was um, in the area about the different destinations you could go, there was a couple like Podcast Addict and Deezer. They actually linked to the manual submission pages for those so although they don't have any api integration or anything like that i thought that was customer focused to to put that out there of this is how you would do it so i thought that was kind of good on that um the other thing that we wanted to mention in our sort of neutral section was that they have social shares of the usual places you'd be looking like facebook and wordpress and even youtube yes there is an auto share podcast youtube option in there this is something that we wanted to put under neutral, though, because uh, we wanted to highlight this as being important for some podcasters. It's definitely a plus, but it is the basic functionality where it's just uploading an MP3. It throws um, a photo or an album art on it, and then that goes off. So, it, you know, it, it's really sort of a neutral fact. And then the next thing we wanted to mention, this is super in the weeds with techie, but hey, some people might be looking is they do offer the ability for you to map your own domain, that's your .com, your .ca, whatever, to the site so that you're using your domain instead of um, the Podbean one being everywhere, so your Podbean subdomain. So if you're techie and you're like, hey, cool, you're you're like, hey, cool, but there's probably a lot of people going, what? Which is why it's in the neutral. That's why I podcast with Steven. He gets into the techie and I go, What? Now we're going to talk about some of the shortcomings that we noticed, and I'm going to go back to talk about the metrics. Uh, like several new media hosts out there, I dislike that they're getting more and more into the, we're just going to give you the previous 10 episodes worth of episodic data, and it's difficult to obtain anything more than that. I mean, even downloading the stats with a CSV file to get it into your I don't know, Excel or your worksheet of choice 
the episodic data, it, it, it's just limited. It doesn't give you everything that I'm used to, at least using Libsyn 4, which you got everything underneath Libsyn 4, which doesn't exist anymore as far as the statistics go. Uh, you, you get only all-time downloads. You don't get any regions or sources or retention by episodes within Podbean. And maybe I'm not looking in the right places, but for the $14 tier, which is what I was looking at, on the podcast that I had uh, been the guest producer on, I didn't see that detailed sort of information readily available for anything beyond the most recent 10 episodes. And even Libsyn in the Libsyn 5, it's not giving you much more than that. I mean, you have to hunt around for some of this stuff. And before it was simply, it's all available and you can download a CSV file and you can get all that. Uh, not anymore. And maybe, maybe I'm just an old school, old fuddy podcaster thinking I need all that data, but maybe in reality, the last 10 episodes is all you need. I don't know. Another issue that I had, uh, upon thinking about it was there is no multiple RSS feed without getting a new account. And there is no ability to go to a lower archival plan. Now, Libsyn doesn't have multiple RSS feeds in comparison, uh, Podbean also doesn't have a lower archival plan, and Libsyn does. And why is this important? A lot of hobby podcasters end up skipping from show to show. Maybe you do a TV review shows, and, and these days the streaming seasons are ridiculously small with like six episodes or 10 episodes. And then you got to move on. If you're a, a review podcaster and you want to review a TV show, you got to move on to another show. And the best way to be discoverable is to create a new show with the title of the show or the theme of the new show in there. Uh, maybe you're doing different audio dramas. You know, you do one with like a 20 episode season and that's it. And then you move on to your next one, but you don't want to keep paying for multiple accounts and you still want your episodes out there. Playthroughs with gaming, tabletop gaming is like that. Or you just run from concept to concept. Like I want to do a podcast talking about uh, the NFL or uh, the business behind the NFL. And then I want to talk about the business of farming or something like that. And you want to make them different shows. You know, having the ability to have the multiple RSS feeds for those type of hobby podcasters or being able to move your RSS feed, your, your show feed cost down from $14 with Podbean down to something smaller, like seven or five or $2, just to keep it archived and available, but not actively uploading. I think that is one of the failings right now with Podbean and some other services as well. And we'll get to them and some other services have embraced this. So the type of hobby podcaster that I just described really only produce one show at a time. For the most part, there's some power users for everything, but for most hobby podcasters, there's only so much time to go around to actually podcast. So you're only doing one podcast at a time. As I mentioned, Lipson does have the different tiers of plans. I have put a lot of my past shows into that $5 a month tier. So it's a little bit more affordable to me. But if I could just retain that one feed and that one price plan, then that would be better than having to pay multiple $5, right? Now, other media host providers, as we will go into, allow the multiple RSS feeds. You just keep that one account. You add a new show. Uh, the old show doesn't go away. It stays out there. 
So yeah, if I had to say anything, Podbean definitely is lacking in this area. Now they traded off with a slightly lower monthly cost for your one show, but you have to keep paying that forever and ever and ever. So that's actually one of the reasons that a lot of the hobby podcasters we talk to have left Podbean because they don't want to keep on paying that lower cost for an actively produced show, but it's a higher cost than an archive show or you've moved on to another show. Yeah, I think that kind of does take it in towards my general cons on, on this. And it's just that I think one of the most disappointing aspects was when I was going through this and I felt like there was a lot of shortcomings that made me think they were suffering a bit from what I'm going to officially dub as established media host syndrome. What I mean by that is that there's aspects on the service that feel like they may not be innovating enough for modern users. They have features that are there that long established podcasters might think, okay, yeah, those are things that I remember before they were offered, but maybe a new podcaster coming in to the space might go, well, I'm looking for a feature X, Y, and Z, and that's not there. So I think Podbean might be calling it good enough for innovation. That is more for innovation of established podcasters versus more newer oriented podcasters. So I think that is something that people should consider. Yes, they have an AI feature in there, which is an example of modern innovation. But the things like the multiple RSS feeds, things like network abilities. So if you have a network that you're running on there, they're not easy to do without getting into higher price point tiers. They do offer some of the, some of those things, not the RSS feeds that I could see, but I think they call it more of multiple shows is what they call it, which is essentially that you can get some of these features in a higher price point, but you're looking at 29 to $39 because again, depending on annual or monthly payments to be able to get some of these features. And this goes into some of those money features that we talked a little bit about before last week that we're not really invested much into it, but it's worth looking at because some of the hobby podcasters are looking to offset their costs. It's a little bit dated. You have to subscribe to that $29 or $39 price plan to get the patron program, which is where people can sign up and give you, um, sign up to be one of your patrons for your podcast. And also video podcast. That's really stuffed mostly up in the $29 to $39 price point. Again, a feature that some modern podcasters are looking for. So all of this to say that the divide seems to be that if you're a hobby podcaster and you're looking for some of these more modern features, they might not be there with Podbean or they might have actively decided that if you can't do $29 to $39 per month, they're not wanting to offer you those features. So that might be a misalignment for you as a hobby podcaster. For me, I would say that if I am a hobby podcaster looking for those features, that is an unaffordable tier for a hobby podcaster to make sure that they're committing every month to $39 US if you're only willing to pay monthly. So it was sort of this realization of what you were saying. There are some lack of modern innovation features that seem to be in there. So we will we will see what develops. Maybe in the future, Podbean will drop some other features. But at the moment, yeah, I, I was a little disappointed with what I found when I was going into it gung-ho. 
So we're going to move on into our summary of Podbean, of our review of Podbean. And overall, even with the shortcomings that we just both mentioned, Podbean still has earned a place on our short list of media hosts to consider. There might be, in our opinion, some misalignment with their priorities in the modern podcast space. They still seem to be innovating and keeping a pulse on the podcasting community. The unlimited audio plan is in the price range of what we would consider acceptable for our use and does offer most of the features that we use at Libsyn. However, there are just enough modern features missing, including the multiple RSS feeds that I discussed, that just make it feel like although they offer a fairly positive experience with a history of reliability, there seems to be a bit of lacking on the modern initiative that might make other hosts a little bit more cutting edge. Now, at this point, that is still a bit of speculation because this is our first review. So we'll see how it actually stacks up as we move through all these reviews. Now, don't get us wrong. We're not saying that Podbean is bad. As we mentioned, they still are on our shortlist. But I think the best way to say it is this. The experience and features available in this current version feel similar to what we saw a few years ago. And we've also known a couple of podcasters who have recently moved off Podbean for seeking different modern features. So let us know, have you had any experience with Podbean? Is there anything you disagree with? Anything you're saying, hey guys, you just missed it. Please get in touch with us at our Discord at betterpodcasting.com slash Discord. Or if you'd like to go into the past, since we talked about that being the theme of some of the features on Podbean, email us at podcast at betterpodcasting.com. Go ahead, let us know your thoughts. We would actually love to hear from you and your experience. And just an example in our chat right now, Damien the DM says, no archival was definitely one of the features that contributed to him leaving Podbean. So let us know your thoughts. We would love to recap that in a future episode. This is where we here at Better Podcasting turn the show over to you as we run through some of your feedback. We call this segment Better Podback. Podcasting 2.0, 2.0. It's Podcasting 2.0 time. That's our new theme. Does that work? I'm excited to hear the music bed that goes beyond <laughs> that. <laughs> Not going to happen. Uh, no, Podcasting 2.0. We wanted to mention this in our Better Pod Back this week because there was a lot of fun chatter over the past week in our Discord about Podcasting 2.0 on the heels of the discussions that we mentioned about transcripts with Apple and some of these other things that have been coming up with Podcasting 2.0. There was a lot of discussion about it and some about the merits of it, some about the technical aspect of it. And I think this is going to be an ongoing point of conversation in our Discord as people see new things. For example, uh, in the in the Discord, we had a couple of people express that they weren't that bought into it. Uh, for example, we had Randy Walker say, my podcasting 2.0 hot take podcast live item is the antithesis of podcasting an on-demand medium. We also had Yakko say, I still don't really understand podcasting 2.0. And until it's a four standard, I have no motivation to do so. So just a couple opinions that were in there. I want to say um, after uh, this actually came up while I was editing last week's episode, I heard a comment you made about podcasting 2.0 in there. And it reminded me, I wanted to do a little bit of digging in to the whole way 
that transcripts were being added to Apple. Because as you mentioned last week, there was a lot of back and forth about is this Apple supporting podcast 2.0 or not? And I'm not going to get into the weeds on this, on this show. You can go to our Discord and see it. But I crawled my way through the different pages on there. And eventually you get to them talking about the podcast index namespace tags. And when you look at that, you see that the podcast namespace uh, tags is a component of the podcast 2.0 project. So basically it is one of the podcast 2.0 elements. So, you know, do with that as you will. But I thought that was really interesting to see that on Apple's page, there is a specific reference to those namespace tags project literally linking to a GitHub repository to do with the namespace tags. So I'm looking forward to see how that evolved, but it definitely at the very least, I think makes those namespace tags of note. And if you're a media host, you should be taking of note of the namespace tags if Apple is now officially calling them out. So that has changed my viewpoint on the namespace tags. Now that Apple's doing it, that's always my bar. Is Apple paying attention to it? Because Apple still has big control. They still have at least 50% of the overall audience. We'll get more into those statistics as the effects of iOS 17, which we haven't talked about on the Better Podcasting Main Show, are more felt long-term into 2024. And as for Podcasting 2.0, I still think it merits a lot of discussion. I think there are some benefits for some versions of podcasters, some categories of podcasters out there. But I also know that not the namespace tag, but podcasting 2.0 is a lot of work <laughs> and it's a lot of techno speak and it's a lot of understanding to set it up. And it's a lot of understanding on your audience to be able to support it. So it's just something if you're really into it, like we started out really into podcasting back. 15 years ago now, right? <laughs> yeah. So we get really into this sort of stuff. I think newer podcasters today are probably going to get more into it and we'll see where it goes in the future. I'm going to keep my tabs on it, but it's not going to be a focus here on better podcasting. No. And, and I would say that for me, I am in the Yakko side of things where there's a lack of motivation and, and I will take it an extra step and say, I kind of think they're, most hobby podcasters probably should have a lack of motivation to understand podcast 2.0 until it is pushed to be more of a four standard. And that's just because I think there is a lot of buzz about it because of some loud voices that are trying to make it a thing by being loud. So, you know, at some point it'll be shoved down our throats if it becomes a thing that everybody should understand. And at that point, there'll be lots of information. One of the aspects of it is monetization, which we don't talk about in better <laughs> podcasting to begin with. So it's kind of a moot point. But there are an awful lot of podcasters out there that don't know anything about podcasting. And the first question that they ask is, how do I make money on podcasting? So it's it's just a thing out there. And if, if you really want to go for it, you can try it. But your audience also has to try it. So just realize that you're not bringing along just your show, but your audience as well. So come to our Discord and chime in to that Better Podcasting Podcast 2.0 conversation in the Better Podcasting channel. 
You can do that and tell us all of your thoughts about podcasting 2.0 and all the crypto confusion. So that's going to take us to an end of another episode of Better Podcasting. Thanks to everybody who checked this out. We are still finding our feet. Again, I know it's a little bit longer this week. Sorry about that, but we will get there eventually. Please let us know your thoughts on the show format, things you like, things you'd like to change. And while you are in the Discord giving us all that feedback, make sure you do check out the Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. channel as well, where you can find SP's other podcast. As Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're running down the Marvel Cinematic Universe and pretty much everything Marvel that's streaming on Disney+. Plus. You can find me over there on the Discord server and love to hear your comments on that, too, if that's one of your geeky things. I'm looking forward to not only next week as we go into our next media host provider, but in the future as well. If, as a reminder, if you have a media host provider that you want us to check out, let us know and we might put it on the list. We'll we'll take a look at it and see if it'll fit everything. But we're looking forward to finding out where we're going to move better podcasting to by the end of the year. So for episode number 285, of better podcasting i'm steven saying thanks for checking out the episode and let us know what you think of podbean see everybody next week bye bye thanks for checking out another episode of better podcasting you can find the full back catalog of better podcasting at betterpodcasting.com if you're into geeky podcasts Please check out the other podcasts on the Gunna Geek Network at gunnageeknetwork.com. This show was produced and edited by Stephen John Drew. Voice work was done by L.W. Salinas. Thanks again for listening or watching, and we hope to see you again next week.